Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that looks at the purpose of and the passion for trains, planes and automobiles. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including Bosch Australia wins a mandate to be their world centre for trailer safety. We talk about what's happening with parking, one of the most passionate subjects for any local traffic engineer. We also road test the Nissan Duke. Let's just say it has a distinctive look. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith and Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including what are the most effective car promotional videos. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. The international automotive company Bosch has designated Bosch Australia as its world centre for trailer safety. Go Auto reported that the local subsidiary has also been granted its own research and development budget for the first time and this will be used, among other things, to develop the first trailer safety products. Bosch was hesitant to talk about the products they have in mind except to point out that any product they come up with will be fitted to the towed unit, not the vehicle in front. Local Bosch president Gavin Smith said, If it is towed by a 1972 Land Cruiser, it doesn't matter. If it's towed by a 2015 Mercedes Viano, it doesn't matter. We will make sure the trailer is inherently stable. The problem with electric cars is that they run out of charge and usually take a long time to recharge. Now in the UK, they are conducting off-road trials of new technology that will charge your batteries as you are driving along, not by overhead wires, but rather wireless technology embedded in the road. The trials are expected to begin later this year, following the completion of an ongoing procurement process. They are expected to last for approximately 18 months and, subject to the results, could be followed by on-road trials. If you would like to prove you are a good driver or that you don't use your car much in order to get cheaper insurance, then some insurance companies will fit a black box to your car to record how and when it is used. The safer you drive and the less kilometres you travel, the more you reduce your premiums. But now there is a concern that these devices could be hacked. Computer scientists Stefan Savage and colleagues were able to disable the brakes on a 2013 Corvette by breaking into a mobile device's Metro Mile Pulse dongle, used by insurance companies to monitor driving in exchange for discounts on coverage. In the mobile devices dongles specifically, the team found a host of serious security bugs. US President candidate Donald Trump has offended a wide range of people from women in general to Mexicans in particular. Now he has taken aim at the American car industry. United Auto Workers President Dennis Williams branded Trump an enemy of the American middle class, heaping criticism on the billionaire's economic prescription for the car industry. Trump suggested that Detroit's big three car makers move plants to lower wage parts of the United States. 
Moving to places where American workers' wages are lower is seen as a way to pay workers less. Trump has argued that companies such as Ford are moving plants to Mexico, which is even worse. Toyota is about to release a newly designed Prius, the first in almost seven years. The Prius hybrid became the symbol of modern thinking, environmentally sensitive people when it first went on sale in Japan in 1997. Some suggested it should be called the Pius. It succeeded despite or because of its quirky looks. But sales of Priuses in Japan, its biggest market, plunged 31% so far this year. Deliveries in the US dropped 14% during the same period. Companies such as Tesla, Nissan and BMW are now making a splash in the market with all-electric vehicles. With a degree of irony, Toyota will show the revamped Prius as it takes US orders for the hydrogen-powered Marave sedan, which it sees as the automotive technology of the future. Researchers from Kansas, Michigan and Nebraska are modifying an oilseed for use as a potential alternative to diesel. Their work on Camelina sativa is focused on lowering its viscosity, essentially its resistance to flowing. Plant oils typically have a high enough viscosity that they build up in engines, limiting their use as a petroleum product replacement. They are genetically engineering camelina with DNA from the shrub known as burning bush. If the tests are successful, the oil could be ready to use directly from the seed as a replacement for diesel. Most other biofuels have to go through a refinery before anyone can use them. A new study from the University of Iowa shows that a majority of drivers don't necessarily understand how many of their vehicle safety features work. The study found a majority of consumers had heard of, been exposed to or interacted with at least one vehicle safety feature, but expressed uncertainty about all of the technologies. The survey also showed 40% of those drivers reported experiencing a situation in which their vehicle acted or behaved in a manner they were not expecting. As a consequence, there will be a road safety campaign called My Car Does What? And that has been the news. Hello, I'm Errol Smith. Overdrive's David Brown has just been to a seminar on parking. Is that a boring activity or is it the very basis of our modern transport existence? And what is the role of meter maids? To tell us all about it, David joins me now. Now, David, <laughs> I drive. Yes. Parking thing's important Definitely. to me, but is it important to all of us? It is one of the most emotional issues in traffic engineering and particularly at local government level. Uh, indeed, recent meetings in the Gold Coast has been described as feral when they were discussing parking issues. Uh, it, uh, it actually is getting worse, the pressure on spots, of course. Um, we know that generally. But, I mean, Sydney, I heard some figures, uh, approximately 2,000 extra registered cars per week over the last five years. 
and of course we're not increasing our parking spaces by that amount of much. The, the other thing is, of course, it's a huge big money earner for local governments and I guess the final point is that it's been more and more being considered as, as a land use transport policy initiative. In other words, we're thinking about what we do for parking, not just to serve the parker, but to, to in fact try and affect their behaviour. Mm. So, uh, I mean, emotion is one thing, but are, are we sort of rational about the what we want when it comes to parking? No, no, not 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 a lot. Apparently, <laughs> uh, in in many a public meeting, there is screaming and shouting. Um, there's some cases where people can listen, and in fact, we did hear from a guy who who took people through the survey figures and the reasons behind what they were trying to achieve with some parking uh, proposals. And indeed, some people, certainly not all, but some people then became advocates for the scheme. You know, uh, and so that can be uh, quite possible. But there's still a lot of highly emotional sorts of things. Now, one of the problems is to politicians can be quite logical when they're in a closed meeting hearing the facts from their planners and engineers and so on. But mm. when they get into a public meeting, they go all political. Uh, some mm. public servants have even made the suggestions that politicians can't speak at public meetings because they have their other avenues to be political, the media and, and uh, council meetings and so on. So they, they, they really don't want them to speak because they just become extremely adamant and, and uh, vindictive and uh, abusive even in, in some cases. Well, well, towards towards people that are unhappy that they well, to, towards yeah, that anyone that disagrees. Yeah, anyone that disagrees with the sort of the public opinion sort of thing, if that's you know what they're trying to chase, you know, so right. they might sort of say there's absolutely no problem, you know, there's no problem yes. with parking, so we don't need parking meters, and the surveys might show that you know the occupancy rates up around a hundred percent, which means it's really just a huge pressure on parking, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, different people in different circumstances, according to some of the speakers I heard at the uh, parking seminar, uh, apparently can react in different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, are we is, is the way we look at parking kind of changed, or has it just always been something people expect? It, it has changed because it was something that people expected. Um, but it was almost an end in itself, a God-given right, if you like. Uh, and what would happen is councils would pay to build or provide parking and then give it away free. And that's been around, you know, for quite some time when right through that, I guess, that 50s and 60s, particularly with that car culture, uh, 70s and 80s, it's still strongly there, but others are being talked about. it. But well, I, th I think not anymore. We're, we're, are we just thinking about it as a, a God-given right um, it, it's been seen as one aspect, not of you, just parking, but actually access. There's that old sort of principle that uh, parking equals access equals business. Well, mm. you know, that might be fine, but it's not that simple anymore. And so what they're looking for is what's good for business. There's no question about that. Uh, but also what's good for the amenity. So it's uh, looking more at what we want to achieve rather than just I want to be able to park. It's, it's been fascinating, David. It's, uh, you've made parking more interesting than I expected. <laughs> yeah, it's never as simple as it might seem. <laughs> no, very little is. All right. Thanks, David. Uh, thanks, Errol.
And that was David Brown talking to Overdrive about a seminar he went to on parking. And you can hear a longer version of our discussion by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au, including the enormous amount of money councils are making from parking fees and fines, how technology will change the way we park, and what is happening with meter maids. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Let me say from the start, the Nissan Duke Compact SUV, only its mother would call it pretty. We'll talk about its look, looks in a minute. It starts at $23,500 and goes up to $33,500, plus on-road costs, which can add up to 10 or so percent. Uh, the top of the range has a lot of features, there's no doubt about that, but in its vehicle sales, uh, it's coming 10th in a segment that has 20 competitors, and so it's selling well, so-so numbers. So should it be on my list of desirable cars? Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury and I have been driving them and Brent joins us on the line to talk about the experience. Brent, it has a distinctive look, doesn't it? It does. Look, I, I describe it as a rabbit caught in the headlights. It has this sort of, wow, what's going on look, you know, surprised eyes, the whole thing. It's, it's hmm, yeah, look, it, it is a face only its mother could love, but, but the rest of the car is, uh, you know, the, the car is a good thing taken in singular as a singularity it is, it is a good vehicle if front has round headlights that that's where it gets that look of startledness we're so used to now almost squinting headlights uh, that uh, these round headlights are good the other thing is the blinkers sit up high on the front of the bonnet almost uh, they're it's like very it's like raised eyebrows. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the thing I liked about that, David, is um, you can actually see the front corners of the car when you come to park it. You actually they, they actually act as as a, as a feeler gauges out the side, like cat whiskers. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Apparently, it's selling remarkably well in Europe. Are we too conservative out here? Uh, no, I think it has too much competition out here. I mean, you said it has about 20 in, in its class, and yes, it has, but, but when you come down to its actual competitive uh, range in, the, in that pricing class, you, you can bring it down to about oh, a serious 10 rivals, and, and you've got some hot stuff. I mean, you've got a Honda HRV, Mazda CX-3. I mean, the, the yeah. two top sellers that sell for, the, for similar money. It, it even has its own... Uh, half-brother, the Qashqai, which is a little bit bigger in, in, that, in that same price bracket for around about the same st sort of start-up money, $25,000, I mean, it, it's confusing. It, it's complicated. And uh, if I was a buyer, well, I don't know. I think I'd be flipping a coin. But I don't think um, when push comes to shove that I would be settling on a... Um, a Duke, unless I needed something that was particularly small, you know, to park under the apartment block or to, as an inner city runaround car. Yeah, I was talking the other day about the colour of cars. If you look on the streets, most cars are fairly plain and boring. Uh, but maybe there's a little bit of cost in that as well to go up to. Other uh, colours cost costs you money. But value for money is a, an issue you, you uh, particularly 
think is relevant in terms of the Duke and what you can, and, and more particularly, what uh, you don't get for the, the, the amount of money you're spending. Yeah, look, as you, as you uh, said in, in the intro, the, the, the Duke is a very well-equipped car. Even the entry-level car with the, the, the 1.2-litre turbo engine, front-wheel drive, it's, it's got a list of things there. I mean, you start missing out on... Big items like you know, the digital radio, that, that's not there, who needs it? You know, heated seats in the front, who needs them? Um, the, the things you're missing out on aren't that important in, in the first place. So the, you know, you're getting some really good, good equipment levels in this car. Nissan is one of those manufacturers that really specs up its cars. Yeah, but again, for example, the top of the range comes with the 1.6 litre. I think that's the same uh, turbo engine out of the Pulsar Triple S. Yeah, but it, also, it is also the only one in the range that has all-wheel drive. So you can actually get the top of the range with front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, uh, and, and there's a, a price gap of around about, well, we'll call it three and a half, four thousand dollars 4000 Yes. It's interesting, not all of them in that category have all-wheel drive. Uh, the Ford Echo Sport, Holden Trax, Honda HRV, Peugeot 2008 and 3008, and the Renault Capture don't. But then again, others do, like the iX35 and uh, the other one that's selling well, Mitsubishi ASX. Yeah. Uh, an, old, an oldie but a goodie, too. You know, Skoda Yeti, VW Tiguan, and yeah. have all-wheel drive. So it's an interesting choice. It's, would would you want it in something that small that's likely to be a city car? Well, no, but then you, and you see, I don't get the whole... Personally, this is the personal point of view. I, I don't understand the need for the SUV uh, city car. No. I, I, personally, my money would go on a, on a small hatchback. And, and, and there's the thing, when you look at the, the Duke's other half-brother, half the Pulsar, you get... Mm more for your money. You, you, get, you get a car that starts at $20,000 instead of $24,000 um, and, and you get the 1.8 litre engine and you know more interior space and probably just as much equipment. I haven't checked that bit but, but, but you can actually get more bang for your buck. Brent, that has been great information. Thanks very much for your time. David, it's always my pleasure. Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury. We were talking about the Nissan Duke a small or compact SUV, which is on the market now. And you can hear a longer version of that interview, including a discussion of some of the nice features that come with the Duke, including a 360-degree camera, not unique to the car, but still good for something in this class. Just go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. And now the last section of the program where we brood over quirky issues to do with motoring and transport. Joining me once again is Brian Smith. Gay Brian. Hey, David. And Errol Smith. Gay Errol. G'day, David. And Errol, you start us with a story. Well, uh, David, I'm, I'm not quite sure where you start with this. You see, if it were released on April the 1st, you'd think it was a joke. But no, this is legit. It is the promo for the new BMW 7 Series. Now, some of the unbelievable features are 
wait for it, hand gestures. Now, if you watch the video of this, uh, which is up all over YouTube, of course, um, you can wave your hands in the air. And like will, you just you know, don't care, Harold? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, if you, can, <laughs> if you can afford a $400,000 car, you probably don't. You can wave your hands and all these funny little silly gestures and change the radio station and answer the phone and things. Um, I'm not quite sure what the two fingers one does. Um, <laughs> What happens if you indicate to another driver you're angry with that he is, uh, how should I put it, into self-gratification? <laughs> if he's, uh, you know, what does the car do to you then? I don't know. But yes, go on, Errol. <laughs> if you're in the back, and of course you've, you, you'll have a driver, so of course you will be in the back. Uh, the back is not called the back, the back seat or anything. It is the executive lounge, and it has a vitality program whatever that is, and massage seats. It even has electronically deployable footrests. So uh, you can oh. lay, lay back and stick your feet up. Um, you can adjust the interior light ambience by changing the interior lighting to any color you want. Um, and uh, wait for it. It has the ambient air package with eight different fragrances. Fragrances? Yes, you can hair. change the smell of the climate control. Lovely. One of them is new car smell, so you can always... Always, it. even in the old version. Well, Ford used to have a pressure pack that they sprayed in cars that yeah. gave that new car smell. They must about. have had one for taxis. I think a special <laughs> one for taxis. XD <laughs> Falcon taxis. The thing is, you've got to have something that other people don't yeah, have, yeah. and all the useful things are gone. Yeah, Cruise yeah. control, yeah. automatic uh, emergency braking is now coming into even base model cars. Well, it's all about comfort, so, isn't it, now, David? I mean, the comfort yeah. and convenience. This thing has an automatic parking and unparking mode, so you get out of the car in your driveway, you press a button on the key fob, and the car will park itself in your garage and turn the engine off. And then when you want to get it back out, you do the reverse. It'll reverse itself out of the garage with the engine on and you get in the car. It's, it's mm. pretty amazing. See, I quite like the idea of going through the features that it's got rather than doing a loud music, flashy mm. pictures. Mm. You know, I'd like them to tell what it is, although I find this a bit didactic. You know, it's a bit telling you mm. what it's all about. Yep. Mm. And I get a bit bored with the guy who's narrating it and keep getting pictures of him. I don't want to look at him. It's like I a review, isn't it? It's like a, yeah. like a car show review. Hmm. Yeah, but it's it's, you, you, it's interesting that the, obviously this this is aimed at people with with zillions of dollars. Uh, they, there's there's actually no mention of the performance of the car, so it's got something called Executive Drive Pro, whatever that is. Um, but they don't mention the the you know specifications of the engine or how quick it is or, or, any, or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's mm. all irrelevant. It's all about the. Uh, you know, it's all about the uh, the luxuries and the, the technology and all of those things. Yeah, but it doesn't tell a story in a way. You know, it sort of says it will keep you in your lane. It doesn't say, imagine driving down the road and your mind wanders a bit and you move a bit. No, the car will pull you into line. If that told a story, see, all it's doing is presenting the technical facts. And we know from uh, the climate change debate, the technical facts are not real. Uh, you want the narrative. Mm. You want to, you want to yeah. show yes. what happens, someone being yes. saved you want the, by it. The emotion, mm. yeah, yeah. But the, the several, several times they, they mention in the ad, the driver, as if, mm. because you have one, of course. Oh, That's exactly. why you're, 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 you're in, in the, the executive seat. lounge in the back. So, uh, you know, that, uh, that lane departure thing, that's, that's in case the driver mm. doses off. <laughs> yeah, so, so the Speaker of the Parliament can just be in the rear. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
that's that's the that's the helicopter version, Brian. Uh, <laughs> well, it's uh, yes, you, you don't mind the ad so much as just don't like what they're selling, Errol. Well, I, I think it's actually the other way around. I, I think it's a fan, it's it's obviously full of fantastic technology that you know, um, if you can afford it, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy. Um, mm. But it's sort of it's um, I don't know. I guess it comes across a little little too pretentious for me. But uh, anyway. Hmm. All right, uh, Brian, do you have a tale for us? Certainly, David. This is a, a story of backlash, and uh, it's a backlash against a, a proven road safety set of regulations. Uh, in the uh, southern Campania region of Italy near Naples, um, uh, the city of Avellino, or province of Avellino's uh, um, uh, prefect, Carlo Sessa, I guess the equivalent of a mayor, has overturned... Uh, rules um, relating to the the uh, re- loss of license for drink driving above 0.08 or 0.15 blood alcohol. So uh, previously, if you uh, were drunk in in uh, in Italy, in this part of Italy, uh, you could lose your license if you were caught. Well, this uh, this guy Carlo Sessa has reversed this decision, um, and now you, if you're um, if you've drunk eight glasses of wine and you're caught driving a car, you could just have a fine of 800 euros, which is about $1,200. It's an astounding um, mm. decision to make. It's been incredibly criticised uh, by road safety advocates. Uh, his uh, explanation is to do with reducing um, paperwork burdens caused by uh, the judiciary regularly cancelling the suspension of, of licences in appeal courts. Um, just well, that's, that's, that's that's worth dying for. Yes, but what an astounding um, decision to make. It's uh, obviously it will only be temporary because it's a such a crazy thing. But um, uh, Italy is actually in the process of introducing a, a new crime called road murder to stem uh, the growing number of deadly hit and run accidents. A total of a thousand and nine hit and runs in 2014, up over four um, percent, and. Uh, You'll have up for that's man. An, that's an incredible number, isn't it? Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we've come to the end of another program. Thank you once again for your time and effort. You're welcome, no David. And that's Brian Smith and Errol Smith, and this has been some quirky news from Overdrive. And a longer version of that discussion can be found on our website at drivenmedia.com.au, including the stories of a man who puts a giant crocodile in a pothole after council refuses to fix it. And Tesla starts construction of an Australian supercharger network. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, Brent Davidson and Paul just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.